Conscious Collaboration brings together entrepreneurs, change makers, and thought leaders. We aim to highlight the people that embody the idea of aligned mind, body, and business. Each week, we share, discuss, and learn from the various experiences and ideas of our guest experts. Through our discovery, we find a path to an aligned mind, body, and business. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Emily, and we are the Conscious Collaboration. What up, guys? Hi, Emily. Hi. How's it going? So today we have a very special guest. They're all special, but this is my dear friend and superstar client and mega dad extraordinaire, Marcus Kleba. Hi, Marcus. Thank you for hanging out with us today. So I would like to also claim Marcus as a friend. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. He's our friend. We we often have these uh, collaborative conversations uh, with no microphones on as we're transitioning between sessions here at the studio. Yeah, I'm a big fan of yeah. Marcus. He's um, made some significant impact in in my day to day. Believe it or not, Marcus, what you say in the morning, I take with me. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say that uh, one of my favorite things is to come to the studio and. Uh, just feel the vibe and just the open-mindedness and the exchange of perspectives. And, you know, it really is a place where you don't just shape your body, but you kind of hone your mind. So it's, Ooh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. I've learned from, I've learned from both of you and uh, I've been intimidated for a bit. So it's nice to be on the podcast and just try to keep up with you guys. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. We're so happy you're here. So Here's where we're going to kind of take this. And we've been wanting to have Marcus on for a long time, but some of the themes that we've been hitting in a lot of our recent uh, and original episodes um, being, we're talking a lot about collaboration and fellowship. We're talking a lot about the overlap uh, between things you can talk about with interpersonal relationships and business relationships. We've talked a little bit about parenting and navigating, you know, work-life balance and um, kind of personally, something that's been coming up a lot is the idea of conventionality and um, incorporating more unconventional structures um, into, into our lives to sort of expand, you know, our quality of life, really. So... Marcus has a pretty cool and unique, uh, and I would say definitely unconventional family and parenting situation uh, that I I personally love. I think it's it's just awesome. You guys are tons of fun. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit how that is set up, Marcus? What's your family like? Um, it is uh, never boring start with that never boring so, yeah so i never boring. to that so um <laughs> the simple the simplest most direct way to start is just the summary to say that i'm a stay-at-home dad of four kids and um my wife primary breadwinner and goes goes to work and so it, it, the story is kind of interesting because um we were we were dating and i just kind of went into the stone and it was a couple of weeks in, and to her credit, she didn't completely freak out. But I went to her and I said, 
you are going to be the mother of my children. <laughs> she was like, oh, but then she was also like, oh, so it's kind of like, and she's like, but we're a little ahead of ourselves. So, but we had a, a whirlwind romance in it and, and we really got to know each other and it, it was really funny. And she was like, well, how many kids do you want to have? And I said, and at the time, so I'm, I'm, I have only an older sister and I grew up in New York and uh, my extended family is in Germany. So I didn't have this kind of context, but for some reason I was convinced. I said, we're going to have two boys, two girls, including boy, girl twins. Wow. And she said, you can't order that. Like that's okay, <laughs> great. But I'm like, no, no, no. Watch me. going to happen. Watch me. And um, I've always been somebody who kind of has been pretty good at manifesting what I genuinely authentically want. And, um, and so we, we, we did end up getting married and, and we had, uh, our first child, Violet, a girl, and then we had, um, uh, Dean, a boy, and then we got pregnant a third time. And, and I always said a German efficiency, you know, three pregnancies, four kids. So that's really good. And then, um, we, we were at the, um, uh, the appointment, the sonogram. And the only time I got nervous was when the uh, sonogram sonographer was like confirmed two and was like well let me just make sure there's not a third and i'm like no no no, stop 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 triplet not needed no no i want order two that's it there was not a third and then it ended up being a boy and a girl and so kendra literally was like this is insane like you can't call it there's no history of twins in the family so um we had the twins and she said to me you wanted four kids you raised them so she six weeks after her maternity leave was over she went back to work and she left me with a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and newborn twins. And God so I have been the stay-at-home dad uh, since then. Um, and I've done some um, activism and volunteer work on the side. But that really has been the, the bread and butter. And it's been, it's been a ride. Yeah. Yeah. And you and Kendra have been married 15 years. Is that right? Yeah, that's, yes, we have. And, and, and uh We've been together for, for 18 or so, and then I think even more beyond that. So now we have a almost 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and almost 10-year-old twins. So that's we're looking at 14, 12, and 10. So the kids themselves are are uh, uh, growing up fast. And we've and had the great so honor of working out with them before. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, yeah, Pepper is a, is Super a, a little, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's a little maniac. Yeah. She was doing natural body weight pull-ups, right? Full pull-ups. Chin-ups, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So she's, yeah, yeah. no. And then she's, they, she was they eight at the of... time. Eight-year-old doing, doing full, full chin-ups. <laughs> Very but, impressive. Know, so, so Violet comes and she's just interested in building up her volleyball muscles and then Dean. And then Pepper likes to just show off and be very precise. But what I find most <laughs> interesting um, is, is like, you know, we clearly are descended from, from great apes. Like I, in, evolutionarily, <laughs> it makes sense to me. You know that every time Dean and Steele come over, they have to wrestle. It's challenged. Like, what does yeah. it mean to jump on my back and like test my yeah. strength? And like, he starts laughing and wrestling. And I just think there's this human thing. And and one of the reasons that I enjoy working out with you, I I came to you because I was concerned. I had blown out my L4 L5 at one point, and I was concerned that I was going to get hurt playing with my kids. And mm -hmm. I want to be the kind of dad. I like to do sports. I like to be out there. So I came to you to increase my core strength so that would never be worried about playing with my kids again. And now I mm -hmm. take my 120 pound kid, throw him over my shoulder and carry him to bed. And I don't worry Great. about anything. So, you, so you've helped me get my body in shape. But let me tell you, raising kids is a mental exercise and a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. 
I love that. Um, so what would you say that, you know, when it kind of hits you like, okay, we're really doing this. We've got four kids now, baby twins. Were you excited about taking on this unconventional sort of feat? Um, or were you yeah. freaking out or a little bit of both? No. Well, first of all, I'm the kind of person, maybe part of an ADHD kind of personality, but like I love excitement, variety, and challenge and something mm -hmm. new. So I was ready for it because in some ways I think life kind of gives you what you want. And I was a little bit arrogant. So maybe there was humility. It was like, oh, I've got two kids. Mm -hmm. I can I can handle twins. And I have to tell you, <laughs> even though I had gone through it twice before, twins oh, they're like four times the work. So I it, it, it was definitely humbling to eat the but i will say kendra really had the um she was incredibly discippointed and like talked to a lot of people who were in the moms of multiples group and then there was a whole thing there with the that there was a to bring in dads of multiples there were three stay-at-home dads and some of the moms were not too keen on us coming into the group which was its own thing but as, a, as and now so it's a parent of multiples and, um, you know, they were like, you have to make sure that the twins are fed on the same schedule and put down the same schedule. If you let them diverge, you'll never sleep. Mm -hmm. So that was like a really good, and not everybody is going to parent differently. But one of the things that I think kept me sane was that the, they, whether they were breastfed or bottle fed, um, the nap times, the routines were the same and they both would go down. And then if one doesn't quite fall asleep, they'll catch up next time. If one isn't that hungry, they'll catch up next time. So it, but it allowed for a rhythm where I could still pay attention to the other kids and do things and go places. Um, and that was important. And, and it was really important for us to just, both of us believe that you should get out as soon as you're past that very initial period. We're mm -hmm. like, look, when they're six weeks old, like take them mm -hmm. to restaurants, get them used to noise, sit outside, mm -hmm. go to museums, go out to the park. Um, if you don't do that, it gets very lonely and, um, and, and you can get trapped in routines and, and, you know, you can, yeah, sort of start to lose your own identity. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned um, kind of feeling some resistance from some of the moms in the group um, with the stay-at-home dad situation. What what else have you run into as far as people kind of? looking at you strange or telling you that what you're doing is strange or what, what have you experienced in that regard? So, um, you know, Kendra would sometimes meet people and they would be like, we should get the kids together to play. And there was one person that she read and she was like, uh, the woman was like, well, can I have your number? And my, and Kendra said to the, to the woman, well, you can, I can give you my husband's number. Because mm -hmm. He's, he's going to go to the play date. I go to work. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. you want to have a play date. The, the kids, my, my husband will take it. And uh, the person was like, well, I can't go to a play date without my husband. <laughs> Kendra and I were like, we're, this, okay. this is a play date for the kids. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. Like, like yeah. you can have conversation. Right. And I, and, and, and I think that there's, you know, there was a, a mom's jogging group and they would get together and push the stroller. And fortunately I'm not a jogger but there were never any men in that job. Like there are definitely mm -hmm. groups that are considered to be um, women's support groups. And I think they're really, really important for parents. Mm -hmm. But um, I also think that 
sometimes you're missing out. There's a, a lot more dads that are in this position. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's sometimes they're not welcoming. I said sometimes people like look look at you strange. They're like, why are you, you know, out with kids? No one has ever said mm-hmm. anything because I'm so obvious. Like, what's wrong? Like, like what's wrong? <laughs> you know, why can't your wife? But you know, there's you know, in I'm going to say this, but like, oh my God, probably one of the most frustrating, surprising things. It comes from very unexpected places. Mm. So one time, a couple of years ago, my mom was talking to me. And my mom was like, I just have to tell you, you have four amazing kids. And, you know, they are, you know, interesting and funny and well-adjusted. And meanwhile, I'm like, my chest is puffing up and I'm all excited. And she, and she's like, you know, going, and I was about to be so, say thank you. And she's like, the kids are just, you know, Kendra's done such a good job raising them. Um. <laughs> I, I was like, okay. are, what? What a two mother a two brute? And I told Kendra that, and she was just lord. So even in those like traditional, like Kendra was like, and and it's interesting because um Kendra spent more time. We had to, she was able to work from home, and I was going to work for the for Violet when we were still in San Diego when Violet was small and Dean was small. So really, it's interesting how the twins. I, I had them, there's video of them as two-year-olds climbing 10-foot pyramids in a row. And I'm like, go, go, go. And I'm filming. And there definitely were moms at the playground who were mm-hmm. like, holy crap. Like, why are you letting that child, like, oh my God. You're like, and then, then they would see my kids could do it. And I've always was, so my goal was I wanted the kids to fall a lot where they would get bruises, but never fall where they would break a bone. Sure. And I'm a big believer that, and so when I had them and I took them, I let them do all of these activities. And so one of my favorite stories is we were going on an airplane and the kids were walking, they had those little rolling luggages and we were going to try to catch the plane. So everyone had some rolling luggage. And suddenly I hear a giant splat <laughs> and I turn around and one of the toddlers had like, fallen flat down in the airport, like completely tripped and like smacked the ground. And, and we were at a gate, like a fully lit, wait, waited gate, right? And I heard all of the oxygen, like all the people were like, <gasps> and they were all expecting a meltdown. And I look sure. over my shoulder and I go, get up, you're fine. And because I bet this is happening. And literally the top, my toddler picked themselves up, brushed this brushed stuff off and grabbed it and started walking to the gate. And if I told you all of the looks and, and, and like across the board of like that child, like, and, and like the tone was your, like, it wasn't, oh my God, are you okay? Like, you know, it was like, I looked over, saw she went splat. I went, like, the head was up. And I'm like, you're fine. Get up. Let's go. We're going to be late. <laughs> Somebody should have started a slow clap. <laughs> I, I, you know, and it's like, it, it's, it's starting early. The idea that your children are capable, like, you can mm-hmm. do this, like, things happen. Brush yourself off. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell the kid, it's okay when you have a lot of fun. Sometimes you get a few and they would finish the sentence, owies. Sometimes when you have fun, you get a few owies. And like, mm-hmm. I was like, you can't. I said, I could leave you in bubble wrap all day at home. Would that be fun? They'd be like, no, that's boring. I'm like, no, we're going to be mm-hmm. okay. Let's go. And then you'd like kind of wipe their tears mm-hmm. and then you'd send them out, you know, and back out to play. I'll try again because you don't want fear to set it. So I think that that goes to one of the, the principles that we try to raise them, which is like, you know, take risks. 
I think a big mm-hmm. issue, sometimes people are so afraid of, of what could happen that yeah. they create an artificial bubble for their kids. And yeah. I'm not sure long-term that that's the best for them. We all have to learn that life I, I is about taking risks and that sometimes you can, you can get hurt, but then it's how many times you get up, right? And those lessons start really early. Yeah, because I mean, that creates more of an issue when they get to the real world. And inevitably, at some point, you can't, you can't provide that bubble anymore. And they got to be able to, you know, survive, literally. Yeah. Could do kids um, houses anymore? Or do they all just stay at home? Is that going to be a thing <laughs> in my future? <laughs> do kids ever, do kids ever leave home anymore? You know, I think I think that they, I, I am struggling with, you know, my biggest issue is not whether I worry something will happen. It's whether other people will report you like the story of kids walking home at a younger age from the bus stop or anywhere. And people have called child protective services on a parent. Setting them out. Oh my but gosh. No, it, it, it has happened, right? Like People are like an eight-year-old. Like, I don't know. I grew up in New York City, and I was eight, nine, ten years old, and I would walk to school four blocks on New York City streets. Right. You know, some I was a latchkey kid from when I was like seven. Now, granted, I can't totally imagine totally different. Yeah. seven-year-old home alone right now, but I mean, like, we would get, you know, just be like, all right, bye. Like, no cell phones or anything. Be back before dark or whatever. And when I think back on some of the, like, secret spots we would find, totally not good places you know we'd be like construction sites and stuff like kids should not be doing this but but yeah I think and I think like people just think that it's a more dangerous time to live in because we have instantaneous access to everything that happens all around the world but the stuff was always happening we just see it well, I mean, and, we're, we're, and know it more now so we think that it's everywhere but what, what, kids what, are actually safer statistically when something happens to a child like it's all over the news right and and mm-hmm. yes i think statistically these are safer times i i mean I, I do think that people are worried i think i do know that having the internet was something that wasn't around when i was a teenager right so i do Thanks. wonder about sex and violence on on you know accessible on on the web absolutely yeah yeah but one of the things that again about taking risks and learning i think the most important thing that ken and i instilled in the kids and the lines on was that we don't want them to um ever be ashamed we said if you make a mistake or Mm -hmm. if you find something or you do something and you feel shame come talk to us you'll never get in trouble we will work through it Mm-hmm. And we thought about like, you know, we now have a, you know, almost 14 year old and a 12 year old boy and a 14 year old girl. And it's like, we have to, we thought like, well, if we don't give them a phone initially, we're like, we're not going to give them a phone until they're 16. We're not going to do that. And then we're like, you know what? They go over to their friends' houses and some of their parents have unrestricted access to the internet at like 10 years old. The kids know mm-hmm. how to get stuff. You are not mm-hmm. going to keep your kids from seeing rated R movies or horrible violence or sexualized imagery, it's that, and, and or pornography. Like, you're not going to stop it. Like, you can't, short of, again, as, as Lisa was saying, you're not going to lock your kid up at home, I hope, and not let them go out and not give them any access. I think- Then they'd have more access to- Like, I think one of the reasons why 18, 
why college kids go so crazy and drink so much is because there is no drinking, underage drinking, and you get to college and it's mm-hmm. like craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm German-American, and my family in Germany, it's legal to drink um, wine and beer at 16. Yeah. And hard liquor at 18. So, yeah. And then university is 20. So mm-hmm. a lot of my family in Germany is having wine at dinner at 16 years mm-hmm. old or earlier. And it's normalized. And so when mm-hmm. you turn... 21 or 18 go you're not like oh let me drink everything yeah right this is a big forbidden thing so you know one of the things that that uh we did was we in order for our kids to get a cell phone um we said they had to read a book on human sexuality and Mm -hmm. all the and and let me tell you it was interesting both violet and dean started reading the book and we make them read it out loud and it like describes sex and body parts and everything and they were initially, they were like, oh, I don't feel comfortable reading this out loud. And mm-hmm. we said to them, if you can't read it out loud and ask questions, then you're not ready for a phone. Yeah. And they were like, oh. And then they came back and Dean, I think, came back six months later and was like, I'm ready to read the book. And he got a phone this year because um, he was starting middle school. He was contacting with his friends and he read the book and we had a conversation about your body about your interests, about what you should be looking at, your feelings, um, being responsible, um, and what you shouldn't, shouldn't be looking at and why. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's been a really interesting, and again, this goes to like a parenting technique and our idea that you, like your kids are empowered and um, they will make good decisions if you give them, A, the chance to make mistakes, and ask questions and learn, and they know they feel safe that they lo- that you love them, that your love isn't mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so um, that's kind of the the the, the, the some of the, the guideposts we used. And let me tell you, it's not it's not foolproof. And you know, you got it, you got to check, and there's sure. going to be mistakes. But you also have to be compassionate to yourself as parents, I think. And um, uh, you know, and but but everything is risky. Like you know, I have friends who've gotten concussions and 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 broken bone skiing and things like that. But like, I'm going to go skiing with my kids because I think it's a great experience. And, and, and it may, if something bad may happen, but sure. you know, you got to take risks for enjoyment. Like life is about right. that. So, you know, you, you teach your, you teach them how to ski and then you take calculated, calculated risks. Well, because I'm not taking you them in a helicopter. Right. But I'm not mm-hmm. taking my 10 year old to heli skiing and dropping them off in the, mm-hmm. in the Canadian mm-hmm. Rockies and like say, okay, now ski power. <laughs> Right. Like you need to be put. I, I really think that part of why some kids have so many accidents and break bones as teenagers and later is because they're not allowed to take risks. I'm again, this might be mm. my dad. This is my divine master mm-hmm. viewpoint. I really dislike modern playgrounds. Holy crap. Maybe this is controversial, but I'm just going to go say this. Modern <laughs> playgrounds are safeified, dumbed down, whatever I'm putting in air quotes, right? Are, ma- are they too safe? They don't want the kids to fall more than six inches. I learned and climbed on 10 foot high. You were climbing ladders to get mm-hmm. to a platform to go down a fire yeah, pole. I mean, they don't, they don't give kids fire poles anymore because you could go down too fast and break your ankles. Like, like you have two story fires. Like, and I get it. I get it from a liability because there are people who sue. And the person mm-hmm. who, and, this, and, the, and the local development or the city doesn't want lawsuits. But there is a long term result. Yeah. When you take away adventure and ro- you're, like, you're softening. Yeah. 
I have We're mammals. We're supposed to run and jump and climb on things. And and go down twenty foot slides and fire off mm-hmm. and slam into something yeah. and doesn't want to try it again. I think that's yeah. important. We're supposed um, to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, for example, there's also a lot of sh- uh, references um, that uh, the most dangerous thing, by the way, as a parent, the most dangerous thing in Florida is drowning by far. Driving? Is drowning, that what you drowning, said? Drowning is the most drowning. dangerous thing. Oh, yeah. More than driving, yeah. the greatest risk to a child is drowning. Drowning. Let me tell yeah. you what I also don't, as a, as, as, and Kevin and I agree on this, you don't use wings. Don't put those wings on your child that are puffy and air-filled because the floaties. you're giving them a false sense. The floaties give them a false sense of security. When you give your child a floaty at three, four, five, six, you are teaching them false, false security. We, we should be, we were teaching our two-year-olds to submerge under the water and lift them up and learn that. And then they, they keep going at two, two and three years old until they know when they fall in the water to hold their breath, turn around, grab the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love seeing the the babies swimming lessons, you know, the 10 month olds who are who are for themselves and floating and, and doing the rescue swim. I love it. So and, I think it's so well, and don't they like in the Amazon throw their newborns in them? I mean, we're supposed to be able to swim as soon as we're born, right? Um, yes, the, so, so you do have to be careful, but the, the, the motions of it holding it becomes natural. Children are remarkably mm-hmm. adaptable to the water. And so for me, it was like, how do we, so the swim lessons were a big thing that we did for the kids to get them into immersion so that they understood to orient themselves and were comfortable in water. But now, so what happens is originally, and let me tell you, it's exhausting for the kids, right? So yeah. initially they are falling in the water every second, then yeah. every three seconds, then every 10 seconds, then they step off the step and forget. And that's every 20, like you're watching them, but eventually something clicks. Mm-hmm. And then they can, now you still have to, for a long time, be there and watch, mm-hmm. but your intervention keeps dropping to the mm-hmm. point at which I can be in the kitchen cooking and my kids are six and they're there with Violet and Dean at eight and 10. And I'm comfortable with them because they're all swimmers um, to be in the pool and I'm in the kitchen. And I can look and see them, but I'm still cooking. I'm not out there mm-hmm. watching because they mm-hmm. also know that the older children are watching the younger ones. And so mm-hmm. you teach account. It takes a village. You know, we don't have grandparents here. They don't live here. My parents live in New York. We don't have a lot of friends. We Kendra and I have to tag team and we're constantly outnumbered. We're playing mm-hmm. zone defense, man. Like you, you we're, are your own built-in village. <laughs> I'm our own built-in village. So you need to to and so you say, you look your older kids, you're like, Can you help? Like, can you keep them safe? I got it. Don't worry. And Dean says proudly, Can I babysit? Like, can you go? Yeah wants that responsibility and so we're at that point where we're like okay we want to go no no violence 14 we're like can we go and go to a restaurant and leave the kids at home and the answer is we've established those they know they can reach us they know what the, what the parameters are they know what the safety is so you need to give them a chance to fail and to take a risk so that something mm-hmm. good can happen yeah absolutely at the conscious collaboration podcast We are proud affiliates of Atapa medical grade red light therapy devices. Red light therapy boasts a long list of clinically proven benefits, many that I and many of my clients have experienced firsthand. You can be sure that you'll be able to train harder, recover faster, and sleep better with Atapa red light therapy. 
Visit myatapa.com, M-Y-A-T-A-P-A.com, or use the link in our Instagram bio to shop with the code COLLAB15, that's C-O-L-L-A-B-15, for a discount on your device. So uh, another topic we've talked about, and you kind of... You kind of made your activism uh, history sound like, oh, a little side thing. But I know that at one point it was very much um, akin to owning a business or having a full-time job for you. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, that kind of, we'll still call it work, work-life balance or how in the heck you managed to be the, you know, primary, um, I want to say primary caregiving parent. Is that how you would describe it? But the, 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 the and, and still, um, balance that very, very active activism life. I mean, it's tough because when I do something, I generally throw myself into it wholeheartedly. I think the first thing you have to do in activism, you can pick your hours. So a lot of times it was during naps or school or in the evenings after they go to sleep. So Mm -hmm. there's often you make, you do as a parent, a working parent make concessions to, you know, maybe sleep less. Um, Mm -hmm. There's also, I do really well in short bursts with projects. So I was deputy regional director for the Gillum campaign uh, uh, in, in the Florida gubernatorial race, not this 2022, but 2018. And, um, I, they came to me and they made an offer, um, in, in August and the election of forces in November. And I went to, to Kendra and I said, um, they made me an offer, but I don't know if we can do it as a family because this mm-hmm. is like 24 seven through the election. Mm-hmm. And my, and, and I said, if I take this job, you're basically a single parent for 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. I said, I'll be there in the morning and I'll get them out the door and to school. But I'm not home for dinner ever. I'm gone all day weekends. Are you, if we do this, and she said, and I will never forget this, because this is, this has been the teamwork of our relationship and so amazing. She was like, this is really important and it's important to me and to you. Go do this. I've got mm-hmm. your back. And when the Knight Gillum lost the election, um, so many of my friends and people I was working with were crying. And I didn't cry. Mm-hmm. I was consoling people at the, what we thought was going to be a victory party. And it wasn't. It was like agonizing. And I got home and Kendra looked at me and she just said, I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. You gave everything you could. And then I went back to being a stay-in-home dad to the election. Mm-hmm. And win or lose, I was going to go back home. And having that like, time limit and point in sight yeah right so but here's the flip side to that so violet was let's see she's she's almost 14 now so she was almost 10 okay so she was young and last year you know the election season was picking up to november and Mm -hmm. i thought about whether kendra asked you want to go work for another campaign and i said look none of these candidates inspire me i don't want to be away from the family for these candidates they're fine. Charlie, Chris, whatever. It's fine. I'll vote, but I'm not interested in doing it. 
And Violet said to me out of the blue, she goes, oh, you're not taking a job? I thought we were going to lose you again. Mm. Well, my eyes got big and I was like, yeah. you remember that? Like, and, mm-hmm. you felt, and she goes, oh, you were gone. And I said, it was, I mean, from adult, I was like, it was 10 weeks, it was two and a half months. And she mm-hmm. goes, I, I remember that. And she goes, I thought you were going to go away like that again. It's such a big I change from the norm. I, was, mm-hmm. I mean, talk about like, and this is for a, 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 for a, a nine and a half year old to remember that, you know, mm-hmm. four years later was really jarring for me because I think as a parent, you forget how much things affect the kids and what they remember. I think we often don't have an understanding of what's formative for a child. And, what mm-hmm. and um, you know, I've really made it a point to, and one of the reasons that I have taken a serious step back from activism, and this is a hard decision for me to make, I have a tremendous, you know, all of these women who feel that they want or need to step out of the workforce to take care of their kids once they have kids. I understand it. I, I got to the point where last year I'd been active for like four years and I'm talking like 20 to 30 hours a week, right? So it's a solid, almost full-time job. Some, some weeks more, mm-hmm. some weeks less. And um, of going to meetings, taking phone calls, doing volunteer work, taking positions, joining organizations. And about a year ago, I said, you know what? And Kim and I were talking. I said, I don't want to do anything anymore. I want to see the kids in three or four or five years. They're going to go off to college or be too old. They don't want to spend time with us. This is all the time I have left. Mm-hmm. And so for my own value system and my own like peace, I did not want to have regret. I am now, like I was just at a, a big convention center going deaf yesterday in Tampa for three days because my daughter had a, a, a volleyball tournament. And my son plays travel basketball and my kids want to do Boy Scouts. You know, so my two twins do. So like when you add everything up, somebody's got to go to do those things with them and, and be there. And, and I took a step back because from the activism, because my value system and my priorities dictated to put my kids first. And I said, I can always go back to activism when they're older and they're not interested to hang out with me anymore. And they've got their friends and they're going off to college, right? Like that, that, that's fine, mm-hmm. but absolutely there are trade-offs. Anybody who tells you you can have it all is full of shit. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. the person on this podcast, but... You are. Um, okay. It's I mean, you know, like, uh, <laughs> Right, but I mean, I, I, you know, like, I really think that people who tell you, oh, you know, you can have the, the amazing career of your dreams that, you know, full-time and be this amazing parent and do all those things, it's simply, there's always trade-offs. I'm sorry, there is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, there's also trade-offs to your maturity. One of the things that during the pandemic, I was going crazy. I'm an outgoing extrovert. And, and I told Kendra, I said, I love the four of you. I love you, Kendra. You're working from home. But if I see just you guys for like another couple of days, I'm going to lose my flipping mind. I need another. Mm-hmm. It can be a trigger depression. It can trigger like, you know, those, those, there were times with the twins and if they're sick and you can't go out, like they're. Mm-hmm. You're nursing them and, and, and they're, and they're, you know, and they're, you have to nebulize them, whatever, because they have croup or whatever. Like those are hard days and you're alone and no one's coming to visit you and you don't go out. Like, but, but, you know, the, you know, I say pain is mandatory. Suffering is a choice. Suffering is option. Pain is mandatory. Suffering is option. I like that. These are not, I'm not a victim. I chose to be a stay-at-home mm-hmm. dad, which means that if I'm feeling lonely, it's on me to reach out 
people that I care about. Mm. And one of the reasons why I love, I don't want to do routines at home. Emily, A, I, my ADHD won't really let me. And I'm like, no, I, I'm paying you money to keep me up. But I mm. want to see your face. I want to see Lisa mm -hmm. coming in. Like, one of the reasons I, I poor Lisa, I, 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 I chew her ear off talking is because I don't have, <laughs> sometimes I don't have a lot of adult interaction and somebody new just to hear my story. And, so, and he's like, this is, this is what I get. These two, these are my adults. Right. <laughs> I'm on those Wednesdays and Fridays, especially I'm like, okay, who's, who's going to listen to me now? So, um, but, but I learned something from you guys. I think, I think we forget how much we're social creatures. And I think I love having four kids and I like that there's two boys, two girls in a balance. I like that they're each, as much as they, 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 they piss each other off sometimes, they also are each other's biggest advocates and friends. And that was the big thing for me was like, I want you guys, if something ever happens, we're going to get older. Like when we're not around, we want you to have each other. And they're mm -hmm. four very different personalities. And like by empowering them and getting them, to, you know, we try to model um, reflective, you know, taking responsibility and reflective listening and, um, we try to bring, I, 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 I have to say that like the, what is it that they say? Like, um, uh, although, although technically not illegal, although frowned upon, it is not technically illegal to call a toddler. Absolutely. Although frowned upon, that is not technically legal. And it's like, um, you know, like mediate, being a mediator, I did a ton of mediation in the legal field after, um, transitioned and. And that's part of what made me a good activist. But like the biggest mediation I ever do is at home. Like mm -hmm. you can't, you can't be a dictator. Mm -hmm. You can't say, as I said, so like, mm -hmm. and by the way, they are also emotional tyrants and dictators. If they, they will push your buttons. They learn, they mm -hmm. learn. Like one of the reasons why Kendra and I need to be aligned as parents is because the kids know how to play the parents against each other. <laughs> oh, dad said mm -hmm. I could. Oh, whatever. So we, mm -hmm. and then they know when we both say mom and I talked and this is the rule, they go, oh, they realize there's no daylight. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, mm -hmm. there's no going in there and splitting the parents, but it's amazing how sophisticated children get in, um, you know, just because they don't have a lot of life experience. Uh, and I use the word manipulation, not in a truly pejorative sense. We all manipulate the scenarios, mm -hmm. how we interact with people, we manipulate the energies. Kids learn and they watch by learning you. And so I certainly have learned to try to be less exasperated and less, if I, you know, I say something, I say something, say something, and then I raise my voice, I don't want to be raising my voice. I don't want to yell mm -hmm. at them. So I don't want them. And, and so how can I relate to them and impress upon an agreement or how, or, or why this works or why it's necessary? And, um, and then you can kind of, you know, it's, it's hit or miss. There are good days and bad days, but I've learned to apologize to my kids a lot and take ownership for my shit. I'd mm -hmm. say, you know, I didn't handle that very well. I'm sorry. And then I can give you the, oh, there's a Valentine's Day story. So uh, yeah. let, me, let me tell you this Valentine's Day story. <laughs> this is really good. This is this past Valentine's Day. It's a couple weeks old. So Ken and I have not communicated about, this, about the bunt cake situation. This is the bunt cake situation. The right. bunt cake situation. The bunt cake situation. Yeah. So coming home, Kendra's in St. Louis for work for the entire week for Valentine's Day. So I'm holding down the whole fort. I'm, hold, I'm holding down the home fort. So I come in the kitchen, Violet, Bean, and Pepper are hanging out in the kitchen. Pepper's my 10-year-old. And one of the twins, I'm saying twins. And there are three bunt cakes, and there's a red velvet bunt cake. Mm. Uh, Violet goes, oh, this bunt cake's for you? I'm going to go take a bite. I want to have it. Pepper's like, no, 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 no. 
So Violet pops the butt cake, sticks in a fork, and takes a bite. Pepper was like, you can have some bun cake, but I think she meant the, chocolate, the cookies and cream one, not the red velvet one. Oh my gosh, those are both my and, favorites. And Pepper starts to melt down. I mean, mm-hmm. melt down. Mm-hmm. She is yelling at Violet, and she's like, don't you, you can't eat that. And Pepper's like, Violet's like, I will pay for it. I'll give you money. She's like, I paid, my, my, my tender's like, I paid for it. I paid for it. And Violet goes, I have the money. I'll pay you for it. Take it easy. And like, then, so then Violet's screaming at, at Pepper. Pepper's screaming at Violet. Violet starts crying. There's all of this stuff. And I'm like in the kitchen and I'm trying to mediate. And like, Dean and, and, and they're like, and so like, I'm, I look at the situation and I say, Violet, you need to stop. Violet, you've got to stop right now. And she's like, but it's not fair. She's not what, and then I'm, and she's overreacting. And I said, she's being mean. And I'm like, you need to understand that Pepper's not in a place to hear you. So I need you to go to your room. I will come get you. And I said to her, you did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. She said, have a bite. She, you did the wrong one. I understand she's freaking out. Go to your room. So then I go turn to, to, to Pepper. And I, it takes me a couple of minutes. And then she's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care. There's stupid tears, whatever. She won't. And I'm finally like, what's so important? It turns out she kind of has a crush on a girl in her class. And she had gotten the bunt cake specifically the red velvet to give on Valentine's Day, which was the next day to mm-hmm. her. And Violet had basically, she's like, I can't give her a butt cake with one bite taken out. Like I can't. Mm-hmm. So I look at her and I say, cause I had put the bunt cakes on the table. I didn't realize what they were. I thought they were just stuff that they had bought. And then Kendra later told me, oh, I'm so sorry. There was the whole thing with the bunt cake. I didn't realize. So then I look at her and it's eight o'clock at night. 8.30, and, and, I, and it's the night before Valentine's Day. And I look at her and I go, oh, so this is for your friend. This is, and she said, yes. And I said, I didn't realize, if I had known that these were special butt cakes, I would have put them away for you and not put them out where Dean and Violet might think it was okay to eat them. This is my fault. Let me do a makeup. Let's go to public. They have a million Valentine's things. Whatever it costs, I don't care. You can pick something out for your friend and I will pay for it. And she goes, okay, are you all right? Is that it? She's like, that's a makeup. We hop in the car at eight night. I'm like, <laughs> Violet, you're staying home with Dean and Steele. I'm like going out there and like, we go and look around. There's like chocolate everywhere. And there's this like sloth holding a cup with like chocolate hearts in it. And it's like perfect and cute. And it's like $17. I'm like, I don't, at this point it can be $30, right? I don't And I'm like, she's like, oh, my friend likes sloths. I'm like, okay, if you give this, is this better than a bunt cake? She goes, it's better than a bunt cake. I'm like, do you forgive me? Yes. Do you forgive her, Violet? Yes. And so like we drive back home, we get it. I go up to Violet and then I say, Violet, can you apologize to Pepper? And they come down and Violet goes, I'm sorry, I did it. I didn't know. And she goes, it's okay. And then she goes, I'm sorry, Violet. And then it's okay. And then, and I never raised my voice once. Like, stop fighting. What is this? And I told Kendra that story and she's like, wow, that's like what we've worked on for you. Like, and I was just, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, you know, it was to recognize the distress, to diffuse it without taking it personally, to not say you're overreacting, to really listen to and empathize. What's, you know, like, what's wrong with the bucket? Like, just get something else, right? Like, I didn't, I didn't understand how important it was that she'd been waiting for a week and she'd ordered it and paid her own money and it took a week to be delivered. So, of course, mm-hmm. all of this stuff, like, you know, set her off. 
And so I always tell my kids, your feelings are valid. Like I didn't ever say, don't overreact, whatever. I was like, oh, I have to do a makeup. I screwed up. And, you know, I screwed up, but then I owned it as you to makeup. And like, that's why I'm able to tell the kids sometimes, you know, you screwed up and you need to do a makeup. Whether even if it's with, mm -hmm. with, with somebody else or a friend at school or whatever, like you can't treat, or, you know, you can't be mean to your grandmother. Don't walk past your grandmother and ignore her. When she says good morning, go say good morning because you're hurting her feelings. Oh, okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to explain it in ways that they understand. If people ignore you, do mm -hmm. you like that? No. So then why are you- And model it. it, yeah. Model it, you gotta model it. I, the, children's detect the phony, children detect the phony more than anything fascinating. Yeah, they're really great energy readers. So the mm -hmm. more authentic you are and the more compassionate you are, you create what I would call positive feedback loops instead of the negative one. And mm -hmm. let me tell you, there are days I wanna pull my hair out and, you know, like, there's also things like Dean is 12 and he starts leaving stuff around and I'm tired. Violet does her own laundry. So I looked at Dean and I said, every article of clothing that is not in a hamper, that's outside of your room, anywhere else in the house, in a bathroom, by the door, by whatever, it's $1. He goes, $1? I go, $1. He goes, what about underwear and shorts? $2. <laughs> I said, what about two socks? $2. Each sock is an item I got to pick up. He tested me and I went to the board and I took his pocket. You know, we have like a bank account with money and I go, yeah, $2 I just collected. And he goes, damn it. And he goes, but he didn't get upset. And you know what? He now checks and he puts it in the hamper. But I was mm -hmm. tired of like raising my voice and being like, and I realized that I was, I was being, I would complain, but I was the one who picked it up. Like sometimes I'd make him pick it up, but sometimes I would pick up. So once I became consistent, from so the addition to authenticity, you need consistency. When I began to say, I'm not your maid, I'm going to pick it up, but I'm charging you. Right. And I enforced it. It changes the behavior because he's mm -hmm. old enough to know. And so he took that the best $2 pay payment because it's a life lesson too, right? There's a lot of things that are going to cost you $2 if you don't pick them up. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Literally more than $2. Yeah. If, For you sure. don't go, if, you, if you don't go to the meter and feed the meter, you're going to get a $35 parking ticket. There, I know so many mm -hmm. people who are like, I, can, I don't have to pay the parking ticket meter. It, the chance of the meter made is, is small. I'm going to be five minutes late, 10 minutes late. I'm going to park here and run into the store and not pay the meter. You know what happens when you come out and get the ticket 35 bucks? If you've gotten used to break bending the rules, then you get really angry. You're like, how dare I get a ticket? No, 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 no. You just got luck. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like everything, like your behavior, you know, I always say you're free to act however you want, but you're not free from the consequences of your choice. You're always free to yeah. choose, but not, not free from the consequences. So teaching that to kids early is, is big. And, and oh my God, I, did, I didn't, coming on this podcast, I didn't even realize like, I'm like, I'm going to talk about parenting. What do I know? But like. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Apparently, some, I constantly I'm, say, I don't know how anyone keeps more than one of these alive at the same time. So do you understand? Or, so and you're making them into decent little human beings. I we, when, you. when the twins turned eight, Kendra went, none of them have been hit by a car and died. None <laughs> of them are dead. She goes, we yeah. have one parenting. We have achieved semi-sentience. <laughs> I think when we got the yeah. element, you know, like they literally like we tell like they, they run in between cars in a parking lot when they're I mean, oh, the, 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 the lack of self-awareness is just. Mm -hmm. uh, no, 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 no. Oh, I have stories to fail. I have fail stories, too.
the time they let themselves out of the house. Probably we could probably do a whole um you could probably do a whole series of, you know, this story. Do, like an anonymous like, yeah. uh compilation. We, you know what? Maybe we should, we should have like an anonymous ask where people tell their stories and of 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 parenting fails. Um, I love it. You know, I, I also say you that know, sounds like a great thing for the <laughs> collective. Yeah, it it might be. I I mean I I see. I think I love what you guys do. I think I think the biggest thing is that is curiosity. Be curious about your kids and be curious about how you can improve. I, you know, uh, I'm. Yeah, your body gets older and things hurt more and like, you know, aging has, has quote unquote downsides from a physiological perspective, perhaps. But I really think that the older I've gotten, the more, you know, it's the uncommon gift of common sense. The more, the more experience you have, but actually experience does matter. Like in, knowledge mm -hmm. is one thing, but knowing sure. how to apply knowledge. And I think that, that thinking realizing that you don't have it all figured out and you can learn i learned from parents of the at, that i observe watching their kids all the time sometimes things that not to do but a lot a lot more times than you think I, i'm picking up things that i could do better and mm -hmm. i think that we we are often in our silos and i don't like these books that are like this is the best method and do everything what can i just say mm -hmm. you know is it marie kondo the annoying like clean everything up woman is that well yeah but did you yeah. see recently that she said yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was she's like, I can't do it all. <laughs> that was like, so free. <laughs> now that I have children, it's so liberating not to clean up after them. There's a German yeah. word, schadenfreude, to take pleasure in another's misfortune. And I'm really <laughs> like, you have made it, yes, all, my cleaning up is, is my bane. And like, I, I, Marie Kondo is like my personal level of like ADHD hell. Like if that's my standard, then I'm just going to fail. So like, there was a little bit of like, She's like, oh, maybe you don't have to clean up. You should just be present. And I'm like, amen. So, so, you know, for all the people that are saying there's one way to do it, there's not. Trust your instincts. But it takes, like I always say, self, here's my thing. Scarcity is an illusion and self-sufficiency is a myth. Scarcity mm -hmm. is an illusion. People, there's more resources for you. There's more time than you think. There's more help available. And self-sufficiency is a myth. No man mm -hmm. is an island, and parenting especially. Even especially, like, ask for help. Look for help. Look for clues. It takes a community. And if you find your people, you're, you will be happier. You will have more resources. I, you know, the, one of the great principles that Ken and I want our marriage on is, like, don't make decisions under 50%. If you're under 50%, your number one task is to get back over 50%. Like, mm -hmm. That's what you need to do. And you're no good to everybody. So when I'm kind of grumpy and I'm hangry and I'm like tired and the kids are on my nerves and I realize I'm, you got to put yourself in time out. Yep. And come back when you have more resources. So, you know, and I just think that like, and, and being able to hand it off. And that's the one thing I'm lucky. I have a dinner to be like, here, can you watch the kids for a minute? I need a moment or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's the things with friends. Like one of the things that I love about you and Lisa is how close you become, how your kids are close and how you, you're there for each other and you're modeling community parenting successfully conscious collaboration perhaps perhaps what a concept <laughs> did and we just come full circle we come full circle high five folks. <laughs> i do want to talk uh, a little bit too about and you mentioned a little bit about this in your stories too and just being able to create your home environment and your systems 
So a lot of what you're talking about being aligned with Kendra, you're doing a lot of that work behind the scenes. The kids are not exposed necessarily to all the inner workings and how you find time to have those meetings with Kendra is beyond me. I'm just having the the two kids myself. Um, you know, that's amazing. What are your it's the morning. So the systems for the first is we used to be a couple and I'm going to, I'm going to be adults here. We're all adults with them over 18. Um, intimacy, physical intimacy is important. Um, emotional mm-hmm. intimacy. Um, you know, the kids grown, but like, I will, you know, take tender my arms and, and give her like a, a passionate kiss, you know, and, and they're like, oh, but they're also, they need to see you being affectionate <laughs> and they need to see yeah. like modeling, like healthy behavior. But like, here's the truth at the end of the day and at the end of the day, like you, this whole idea that you want to like have the sexy time late at night, usually we just want to go to bed. So one of the mm-hmm. things that we figured out was we have to get up in the morning and have both into the time, but also conversations. You have to make the time. So there's this window where the first bus goes at seven o'clock in the morning, seven ten, And then the next middle school doesn't start till 930. So the older kids are still sleeping. So you have a window between 715 and 815 or so when Kendra has to go to work. And you have to, I, sometimes I sit there while she's putting on makeup or getting ready and I'll sit on the, you know, on the, on, in the bathroom with her just to be close and talk while she's getting dressed mm-hmm. away. And you have to, I think you check in. There are, te- there, you need to be communicating, hey, um, I'm going to this meeting. We have class at six o'clock <clears throat> and then there's a, a physical therapy and then there's this and then there's the, do you want to go grab, get this child and go there? You have to set expectations. Are you okay if we have dinner at this time? You have to be willing mm-hmm. to communicate by text and have that clear line of communication. And then you have to be willing to have tough conversations and agree to disagree, but then try to find ways to align and to do that outside the kids. One of the big things that was a serious contention in the marriage was that Kendra would correct me in front of a kid if she disagreed. And it got to the point where I literally was was furious. And I said to her privately, and I said, you are undermining me. If you don't agree with something, you need to come talk to me privately and not say, no, we're not doing it that way in front of the kid. I said, mm-hmm. I will stop. I will try to remember to come to you and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I think of this rule or this reasoning. But if, I, but if you say something or I say something, we have to back each other up. And that was a, not an easy conversation because she was like, you come up with all these rules that don't make any sense to me. And I said, well, or, 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 or you, there are other rules that you don't. And, and it was vice versa. Like I wouldn't enforce things that she did that because I was like, well, if you want to enforce your rules, like that was how we parented at the beginning, right? Lisa, it was, you do your rules and I'll do my rules. Well, yeah. you know what? That created a crap ton of problems. The kids would navigate. And then also there was uncertainty. Well, who's really in charge? If both parents are home, mm-hmm. what comes, what goes. Mm-hmm. So alignment was absolutely crucial for us because we create certainty in the kids as to what is and isn't. Like you have to give, a, I talked about at the very beginning, I opened up talking about giving freedom. You got to give a lot of freedom to these kids, but you have to give freedom within very clear boundaries and mm-hmm. say that is not acceptable. You may play Roblox in the hours, you may tank, but you may not just go on the internet and check whatever you want. Like, that's just not okay. Mm-hmm. You can't do, you know, you can't, when we take it for two hours, you can't go hide the tablet in your room and try to play with it further. You can't be cruel and mean, like 
they're normally very nice kids, but I was like, when you say hurtful things, there's got to be, you got you got to let them know what's inbounds and what's out of bounds. So if you're going to be teased, and they're like, well, we can tease each other. So I'm like, well, there's a difference between teasing and cruelty. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes you're in that area where I'm like, okay, this isn't funny to me anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm upset listening to the two of you talk. Maybe you're not upset, but I don't want you two talking to each other that way. In front I like of that. It's so interesting. It's like your household, our households, anyone's households, is tiny little uh, microcosms of what's happening in our communities. So it's almost like, um, as we were talking about the energy of fellowship, it's almost like recognizing everybody's strengths and what makes them different and diverse mm-hmm. from one another. But being able to work towards a common goal, like you have your you, your shared um, that you shared with us within your household, your objectives together. So, oh, the, so like, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. So one of the ways that we aligned was we wanted to be able to have, like a lot of times people don't put their values and create goals. Values and goals are very different. Your values are what's important to you and how you make decisions based on, you know, prioritizing uh, your experiences based on your values. And you should be acting in alignment with them so you're at peace. But a lot of times that isn't a goal. Harmony is great. That's not a concrete. There, there are goals are things that you do that increase your harmony. So we came up with four parenting goals together. The first was have fun. So when, when we tell the kids, like, have fun. The second is make good decisions. The third is take risks. And the fourth is be a good roommate. And mm-hmm. we didn't want to have eight rules or 10. We didn't want to have eight goals. We didn't want to have, we were like, what are the things that will help us so when we discuss, do we want to teach the kids skiing, right? Do we want to take this vacation? Do we want to do this extracurricular activity? Do we want them to go to the Honor AGP program or not, right? These are all life decisions. So we look at our parenting goals and we say, if we choose path A or path B, are we increasing the fun? Are these good? Are we teaching them to make good decisions? Are we too safe or too dangerous? Are we taking risks or is this too safe? And are we, if we allow this behavior or choice or pattern to continue, are we actually being selfish and not being a good roommate? Because we all live together. And by the way, being a good roommate is when you grow up and you go to college, you need to be a good roommate. When you go and get into a relationship, you need to be a good roommate, literally. Mm, So why not early? So sometimes when we're lost and we don't know where to go, we can go back to the parenting goals and say, as we're struggling with this decision, how do we maximize the goals in this scenario? And how do we decide between A and B in light of what we have already agreed through much discussion and negotiation, what the primary four parenting goals are? Mm-hmm. And so I recommend that you do retreats. So sometimes we go take a notebook when the kids are like all at sleepovers or away and we have time to ourselves or the, the grandparents. You need to sit outside and say, what do we want out of life? Where are we headed? What is it that, where are we happy and unhappy? What is it that we, what experiences do we want more of? And you need to talk about it as a couple and align on that because that's going to make it easier. And, if you, and, and, and I think sometimes you'll be surprised at how much we exist rather than, we, we, we live rather than thrive, right? And, and to thrive, you, you know, you got you to do more than just get through the day. And mm-hmm. you want to have these experiences. Our, my goal with Kendra, I said, was like have experiences that are wow experiences that you remember, that are fun, that are memorable. And I don't just want to go from school to an activity to school to an activity to growing up. 
to this is what you do, right? Life is about the places. Like I remember like we went to the Grand Canyon and like they were young, but they were still, they stopped, like they were in awe. There are things in life that make you have awe. And it's so easy to, to, to get on the checklist and say, I got to go to the grocery store and I got to go uh, 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 buy shoes and then I got to go to the practice and then I got to go see my this meeting and then I got to go do homework. And then the next thing you know, you have it last and been silly and had a dance party. So, I mean, if you, if you ask me what's the most important, the two most important, I think making decisions to be a good roommate are important. But I really think the number rule one and one A that we've had to try to make uh, uh, to get everybody on the same page on a growth trajectory is to have fun and take risks. I love that. And I love specifically that you pointed out, you know, the joy, wonder, and all that's being injected into what you're living day to day. Marcus, this has been joyful, wonderful, and amazing. And I feel like there's a part two, three, and four that needs to happen here because Mm -hmm. you touched upon so many things and I would like to come back to it on another date and talk about more about these Um, especially you're so great at interrelationships and really staying focused and doing things that are unconventional and breakthrough. And I think that's what's necessary in order to be, I mean, Emily and I talk about it all the time to be able to, to live that, um, a life that feels expansive rather than Groundhog's Mm -hmm. Day. Right. Yep. Uh, Yep. Absolutely. And and it's been, it's been really wonderful to be on here and I, I'd be happy to come back at the time you guys have. Oh, yay. You're great friends and um, you're great parents. And um, I'm, I'm really grateful we got the chance to consciously collaborate today. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I'm many like- golden nuggets. And we would love to hear in the collective too, what of the golden nuggets resonate, resonated with you? What can you take into your family and home life? And uh, I mean, I, I latched onto a lot of things that I think can be applied to entrepreneurial life. So let us know. Yes, let us know. You can join us inside of the Conscious Collaboration Collective on Facebook. And you can Mm -hmm. connect with us via the links provided in the description. And you can also find out more information about Marcus there as well. So Emily and Marcus, this has been fun. So fun. Absolutely. I will probably talk to you in five minutes. Talk to you in five minutes. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends so they can join our circle of collaboration on this journey. You can find us on Instagram at Conscious Collaboration Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Audible, to name a few. Please join us next time for another deep dive into how you can live life in more alignment, mind, body, and business. Send us your questions and comments in our DMs or email us at ConsciousCollaborationPodcast at gmail.com. See you in five minutes.